And we're live with Be Green with Amy. Chuck Carroll is host of the Physicians Committee's popular podcast, The Exam Room, and known widely as the Weight Loss Champion, a name given to him by an NFL player for losing an incredible 280 pounds. Please click like and share to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Chuck Carroll. I did not always look like this. Uh, matter of fact, at my heaviest, uh, I was 420 pounds. I was in my mid-20s, and I did not think that I was going to live to see 30 years old without making some drastic changes. I mean, if you look in front of you and you count off 10 feet, that's how far I could walk without my chest beginning to tighten. And you've heard the analogy, it feels like an elephant sitting on my chest. Well, after 10 feet, that's exactly what it felt like. And I felt all of the color also drain from my face and I would just begin sweating profusely. And it just scared the ever loving bejeebers out of me because, well, one, I wanted to live, but two, my father uh, had had heart, heart issues. His father, my grandfather had died of a series of heart attacks before I was even born my grandfather on my mother's side had had a series of heart attacks. So heart disease definitely ran in my family and being so young and being on the accelerated plan to a heart attack was not the path really, Amy, that I wanted to be on. <laughs> okay. I think we're back now. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you're here, Chuck. Thank you everybody for your patience with our technical difficulties. Chuck is a pro and I'm really glad that you're here, Chuck, because you do this Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine podcast. So you are a professional and you just were able to go with the flow with us. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to talk about this. It's really important. We have you here for the male perspective, playing catch up here because I heard you in double. What was your relationship to food like growing up? Oh boy. My relationship to food, man, we were like this, right? We were BFFs. We were in love. We were holding hands. We were each other's world. Um, I did not have the help, but it was not a healthy relationship, uh, very close, but it was one of those toxic relationships. And I remember distinctly, you know, in elementary school, my brother and I would go to our grandma's house after school and she would fix us what we thought or what she thought more importantly was a healthy after school snack uh, of baked beans and either a hot dog or a hamburger with some cheese on there. Sometimes it was a fried bologna sandwich to go with the baked beans, um, but the baked beans were a vegetable. Uh, sometimes it was the blue box macaroni and cheese, but bottom line, I mean, like nay, a thing healthy was found on that table. And this was coming after my brother and I had also eaten lunch at school. And if you know anything about school lunches, I'm not sure that they've changed too much today. I mean, you're talking about a cardboard piece of square pizza, um, a, a little carton of milk, French fries with that as well. Um, the milk often chocolate. Um, so, I mean, just really not the most healthy things. And then after that, my mom would take my brother and I to the drive-through uh, for dinner. And that was another hamburger. Uh, I will never forget. It was Burger King uh, more often than not at a young age. So it was a, a double cheeseburger, ketchup only, the biggest fry that they had and the biggest uh, high C orange or, or orange soda that they had. And that was my dinner at night to wash up, wash, um, polish off every bite of that. And then on top of everything else that I'd eaten it in the day. So you eat a diet like that, excuse me. It's no surprise that your health 
begins to kind of get a little bit suspect, even at a young age. And then my appetite grew more and more and more and more. So eventually I was eating 10,000 calories a day before I knew it and was on high blood pressure medication, Amy, when I was just a sophomore in high school. I was talking about getting the male perspective, but we're also getting the perspective from children because you are, you're the child's voice here. You're the, the voice of a child that doesn't know what's happening to them or can't speak to the world. And this is something that we really need to address, not just the prolific availability of this unhealthy food to adults, but what it's doing to children and setting them up for a lifetime of food addiction and maybe leading into other addictions as well. So this is a really big deal. One of the things that I like to do with our audience to engage them is I like to do something called true or false. <laughs> so I I'm going to do a true or false right now because I think that what I have, this first question is going to kind of lead into it. So this is, guys, this is just Task Voice is going to tell us what we need to do. It's time for True or False on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, so our first question is, true or false, two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. So guys, you can type that in the comments below. And we're going to have another question following that one up too. But what do you want to say about that, Chuck? Well, I, I think it's true, but it's actually a higher number than that. You know, you, you're looking mm -hmm. at, can, can I spoil it? Because I believe spoil I know the now. exact percentage. Go right ahead. <laughs> I believe it's somewhere in the ballpark of 74% of all adults in the country are either overweight or obese and somewhere above 40% uh, just uh, they fall into the obese category. So um, there is certainly a heck of a lot of work to do uh, on this end. And let's just continue this on because of what I was talking about children, guys. So get ready for another true or false. And that is true or false. One in five children and adolescents in the U.S. have obesity. Maybe Chuck might have it, uh, something on that too. I don't know the exact numbers, but yes. I, I, I'm pretty confident that, that that is an accurate statement. So yeah. if I'm playing the home game, I'm punching true right now. Right. So this is really serious. It's it's very serious. And like I said, you're this voice from a child that come into a, a place where now you can speak to the world and, and talk about what this was like. It seems that with your mom having to work full time, I mean, she just did the best that she could do under the circumstances. She was trying to do what she could do. And, and like a lot of parents out there, you figure if it's available, then it must be safe and it must be healthy and, and be okay. So that just kind of led you down another path. So do you want to talk about as you were growing up, the food relationship became? Well, it became stronger and stronger. I mean, every day we inched closer together, uh, fast food and I, um, but it, you know, and fast food eventually almost became my ultimate undoing almost. But, you know, I will say back to the the childhood thing is that, you know, it's it's not just school lunch. It's not just a trip through the drive through at night. It's not, you know, grandma cooking unhealthy things. It's also, you know, the fact that these foods are marketed toward kid. You know, they they just re, -re or they they just rebooted the Ghostbusters movie franchise. And one of the things that I remember 
uh, as a kid. And I love this when Ghostbusters 2 came out, they had from high C what they called ecto cooler. And this was green high C. And I'm sure it was nothing more than, you know, some sort of like high fructose corn syrup with sugar on top of that. And we're going to throw some maple syrup in there too. just make it as sweet as possible. And oh, by the way, we're going to throw in some water and some green food coloring. And I love that. And then come to find out I'm thumbing through Twitter the other week. And what else did they reboot? Ecto cooler. And that's being marketed right to children as well. And that's just one example. You walk down the cereal aisle, they still have count chocula there. They still got like all kinds of, you know, the lucky charms leprechaun, you know, you can't tell me that that's marketed toward adults. No, all of this stuff goes to, to kids and it's just, it's not the most healthy thing in, in the world. And by not the most healthy, I mean, perhaps the least healthy thing in the entire world. So, you know, there's, uh, golly, Amy, you, you got me fired up, Amy. Like I, I could just talk about this all day now. Um, but as you introduce that stuff more and more into your system, um, that addiction component really can kick in. And, and in some cases really into hyperdrive before you know it, you're not just having one ecto cooler, you're having two, and then you're having three. And before you know it, you're not just going to the drive through once a day. Sometimes you're going twice. Sometimes you're going for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then sometimes you also want that fourth meal. So you go back then and it seems perfectly normal to you at the time when you are doing it. But once you are able to break that cycle and you look back at it, you're like, wow, I was in a bad, bad way. Right. And what you're describing, if you just took out the word food and you put in heroin or, or alcohol, any of those kind of addictive things, the sentences would complete themselves just the way they did as when you were talking about food, it's a frightening thing. It's it's frightening that it's happening to so many Americans as the statistics are showing and really sad that it's happening to children because th this is something that I wish that people would have more awareness of. So now as far as with your health journey, you lost, you want to tell everybody how much the total amount of weight you lost? Yeah, to 280. So at my heaviest, I was uh, 420 pounds, had a 66 inch waist, was wearing a size 6XL shirt, then uh, over time was able to lose 280 of those pounds. So I'm 140 today, uh, wearing a small shirt and a 31 or 32 inch waist, depending on the day and the manufacturer. So um, I'd like to think that I lost a lot of weight, but I gained a whole lot of life with it. Absolutely. Ellison36, before you began, what health issues did you face? <laughs> so I was chronically sick. I mean, every single month I was in the doctor's office and it was kind of a running joke to me at the time before they had computerized uh, all of the patient uh, notes, you know, they had these little slips that they would fill out and they had a bunch of little boxes on there for various diagnoses. And, and like my game was, could I get every single diagnosis that was on their little chart? I never did, but I will tell you that my file was, I mean, I mean, thick, like an encyclopedia. And I was forever having 
chronic sinus infections. I was forever getting strep throat. I had high blood pressure. And now you're a young man and you oh, were, yeah. and this was over like a decade ago, right? So that you were in your, when you're talking about these health conditions, what were your, your age range? There? Oh, I, I'm, I'm talking back when I was still 14. So we're, we're talking 25 years ago at this point, you know, we're talking like barely in high school, I'm starting to have all of these issues. I mean, my blood pressure at that age was routinely like 180, 190 over 100. And even the nurse practitioner in my doctor's office at that point told me to my face one day that I was going to die if I did not make some changes. And I'm sure that she thought that she was helping me and she was like getting me, yeah, we're going to motivate this kid. But no, all it did was really anger me. And mm -hmm. what did I do? You know, I wanted to feel better. So I went right to the drive through after that. Like it wasn't more, I mean, it was still another decade or so before I made any sort of the big changes that she was talking about. So right. food is a powerful thing. Yeah. And there again, it sounds, it just sounds like the addiction again, just like the, an addict. If you would tell an addict you, you're drinking is going to kill you or your cocaine addiction is going to kill you, they would do the same thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. You were going through all these things, but yet either didn't know what to do. I mean, you, I guess you tried different diets. I mean, it seems like people who are overweight or obese have tried things. And, and of course, diets, there's the word die in there. So how can anybody do something that has the word die in it? Because that's what you feel like when you're trying it. What what did you try? Oh, for sure. Gosh, I was on that roller coaster, the yo-yo dieting roller coaster for sure. Um, and, and yeah, I think the people who struggle with their weight actually know more about nutrition than the average person because it's something that a lot of people in that position kind of obsess over and they wish and they hope for this healthier life. And how do I get it? Well, let me read about this or let me read about that. And then let me explore all of these different fad diets. You know, I did high fat, low carb. I thought that that was the greatest thing. I thought, you know, just eating every couple of hours, no matter what it was, that was going to ramp up my metabolism and I was going to lose a bunch of weight. Well, that didn't work either. Uh, I went on diet plans where there were just these prepackaged foods that you didn't even need to refrigerate, even though it was like lasagna or burritos or beans and, and rice, you know, like food that you would expect after it's cooked, like needs to be refrigerated. But none of these foods actually did chili, another one of them. And it really didn't taste good, but you're supposed to eat that and lose weight. None of that stuff is sustainable. But but the piece de resistance of, of my diet uh, resume was a little something, something called the cookie diet. And I was actually paid. I was paid to endorse the cookie diet because I was working appropriately at the time at radio station WBIG in Washington, DC, big 100.3. It was a classic rock station. I can't make this up. They came to me. They said, Hey Chuck, we've got this, this advertiser, the cookie diet, and they are looking for somebody to endorse. Would you like to do it? You seem like you would be the perfect fit. They know who you are. They really want to do this with you. I was like, you're going to pay me to lose weight? Cool. I push all my chips to the middle of the table. I say I'm all in. The cookie diet is not nearly as fun as it sounds. You're not eating Oreos. You're not eating Chips Ahoy. You're not eating grandma's chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin cookies. No, no, no. What you are eating are two spongy like cookies and they literally are like sponges and that if you're lucky you you have a sponge that has a raisin in it so it has just a little bit of flavor to it maybe a sprinkle of cinnamon but essentially it's your kitchen sink sponge with just a hint of cinnamon and raisin 
and you're supposed to eat that. And just like a sponge, it, it absorbs a lot of water. So you're supposed to drink water and that's supposed to keep you full until your next meal. So you do wow. that for breakfast, you do that for lunch, and then you eat this ambiguously defined sensible dinner. And they never really tell you what that sensible dinner is. Just make sure that there are some vegetables on your plate. Cool. I know that, well, fast food, that didn't seem really sensible to me. I cut that out, but uh, I'm telling you that diet was not sustainable. Um, as soon as they stopped paying me, I stopped giving uh, a care about it, uh, went right back and, and put all my weight back on. And then, so matter of fact, that was the last diet that I tried, uh, before I was able to ultimately succeed. Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> it se seems like a lot of the people that I talk to that have had incredible weight loss journeys, they all say that they are expert dieters. If you give them a diet, they can stick to it and they can lose the weight and they are just, they can't, because it's not a lifestyle, so they don't, they can't live it, but they can do that short term. Did you find that to be the case for you as well? Oh, 100%. You know, I don't think I ever really thought long term about it. I was just so desperate to get weight off that that was my, my, my sole focus is how much can I take off and how quickly can I lose it? And so I wasn't thinking about necessarily keeping it off long-term. Matter of fact, I didn't even have the expectation that I would keep the weight off long-term. Like I just always assumed at some point it would come back. And I never, Amy, I never really understood why until, until I did the cookie diet, because the cookie diet in a way was the great awakening for me. And that's when I realized that food, certain foods can be as addictive as you mentioned heroin at the top of the show or any sort of opiate. Uh, it can be as addictive as alcohol, way more addictive than nicotine. I was able to kick a two pack a day cigarette habit way easier than I was quitting Taco Bell. I mean, we can talk a little bit about that if you want, but it, it was when I tried to cut fast food out of my diet for just three days, um, those were the roughest three days of my life, particularly the final 72 hours, uh, or the final 24 out of those 72 hours was really rough. Yeah. Well, we should talk about it. I, I know that there are people that may be tuning in that, that, that aren't even familiar with this lifestyle that we're going to be talking, unpacking later, as far as the whole food plant-based, when you have a lifestyle that you're adopting, like this whole food plant-based lifestyle, typically some people do go through some withdrawal symptoms because they're coming off of things. And some people struggle because maybe they decide, oh, it's I'm going to completely eliminate coffee. And then they go from five cups a day to none. And then they get these splitting headaches. With my husband, he lost over a hundred pounds. He, for the first week on this plant-based diet, and he wasn't, he didn't go drive through, but he did eat the standard American diet. For the first week, he said, I feel like I'm coming down with the flu and I don't know if this is going to work for me. And we researched it. And this was about 10 years ago, so it wasn't as much information, but we researched it and we decided, ah, we're just going to see how this week goes. And if it's still bad, then we'll see what happens. Fortunately, things started to get a little bit better for him. But for you, you weren't just eating the standard American diet. You were eating it probably like on steroids, right? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I mean, yeah, you're talking like 10,000 calories a day, um, all told. I mean, I wouldn't eat breakfast at the time um, because I thought that was a healthy thing to do. I was saving calories somehow uh, while still eating 10,000 every day. So 
I really didn't even start eating until lunch. And that was typically a trip across the street to a place called Boston Market. And I would get a half of a chicken there, like a half of an entire chicken I would get, as well as three sides. It was typically mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, it was typically macaroni and cheese and then cream spinach. Um, sometimes a piece of cornbread. I don't know. But then to make it healthy, um, I would also get a diet lemonade. So I thought that that actually wasn't bad, right? Because you're talking about yeah. spinach, right? Right. Yeah. For, didn't realize that the cream part was going to kill me. Macaroni and cheese. I had eaten that my entire life. How bad could that be for me? Mashed potatoes. It's potatoes, you know, and then chicken. Right. So I didn't realize that this thing was a fat and calorie bomb, but it was. So I would eat that. And then after work, I would go home and I would treat myself to a snack and I would stop at 7-Eleven and next to the hot dogs on the counter there, they have these little things called taquitos and I would get six of these things, uh, typically buffalo chicken flavor. And I would eat those and drink two big bottles of Gatorade. Also thought Gatorade was a health drink because right. you see it advertised by athletes. Then when I got home, it was time for dinner and dinner was often pizza for me. And we would get these coupons in the mail, you know, buy one pizza, get one half off. Uh, and then at the bottom, they always had one that was designed for offices. It was like, well, buy four pizzas. We'll give you a fifth for free. And so I would do that. I was like, hot diggity, man. We got ourselves a bargain here. So I would order those five pizzas. I would eat one and a half, sometimes two of them, then wait four hours or three hours, whatever the case may be. And then I would go out to Taco Bell and that's where I did my real damage. And they knew me so well at Taco Bell, Amy, by the time I got to the order board at the drive-through, they just told me what my total was because my order never varied. It never varied. And so it was 20 bucks and, you know, please pull through. And that was the way that it was. I was on a first name basis with these guys. But when you try to cut that stuff out of your life, you reach this point where, like you said, your husband felt like he was getting sick. And for me, I started to feel a little bit sick after 24 hours. You know, like I really wanted to make a go of the cookie diet because I was being paid to do it, you know, and I wanted to be a good boy. So 24 hours, eh, wasn't feeling great, whatever, we're going to push on. Day two, I start getting what I call cranky pants. And, uh, you know, this pleasant persona was really starting to get a little bit agitated very quickly and started to feel a lot sicker. And then day three coming home from work, it was a complete Jekyll and Hyde situation. I'm just an emotional monster. Like you could have told me nice weather we're having today. I'm going to kill you. You know, like it was scary. Like I was scaring myself. And so nobody really wanted to come around me that day. Um, and I just grew increasingly, increasingly and increasingly more so angry. And all I could think about though, was going to Taco Bell. Mm. I didn't care about the pizza. Didn't care about the Boston market. Didn't care about the taquitos. I wanted Taco Bell. That was all I could think about. Taco Bell by this point had been my obsession for years. I was even working in a fancy Mexican restaurant had access to all the burritos and tacos and, and Tex-Mex food that you could possibly want. And still after shift, I would go to Taco Bell. 
so yeah, it's crazy, right? So that that was the addiction there. So when you get to about 72 hours without it, like I'm freaking out. I feel sick. I'm curled up in a ball on my bed, but I'm so angry and I'm so fixated on getting this Taco Bell that I jump up out of bed and I put my fist through a wall because uh-huh. I just was so angry and that didn't calm me down. So then I put my fist through a door. And that still didn't calm me down. So I knew eventually I was going to have to get to Taco Bell that night. So I waited for everybody else in the house to go to sleep because I did not want them to know that I was about to cheat on this diet. Um, And so I snuck out, found the 24-hour Taco Bell, paid my $20, came home. And I will never forget the first bite of the seven-layer burrito. It was like this warm rush of calm just washed right over me like it was a giant a ginormous tsunami just everything just felt better and i felt so warm at that point and suddenly all of the anger was gone like the anger was not gone after i punched my my fist through a wall no it was gone after i took this bite and so i ate every single morsel from that heart attack in a sack But during that time, it also hit me clear as day that I have a problem. I have a problem and it is fast food. I have a problem that is akin to any sort of narcotic, any sort of alcohol, and I don't know how to break it because I started to cry thinking about, oh my God, what am I going to do? And suddenly it made sense to me why I was never able to succeed long-term. It wasn't just that the diets that I was trying were unsustainable. It was that my brain was so hooked on this junk food that when you fixate on something 24 seven, unless you take some really drastic measures to, you know, figure that stuff out and and get yourself some help, man, you are going to be in a bad, bad way. And I felt helpless because as I said, at the top of the show, my grandfather had died before I was even born. My own father having heart issues. My other grandfather had a series of heart attacks as well. And I, at this point I'm 26 and my 30th birthday did not seem like that was going to be a possibility. If you were addicted to heroin or, or alcohol, you probably would have had an intervention from your friends or your family to say, you know, we need to take you to rehab. You're addicted to the, these substances. When you have people around you and they're, they're eating the stuff that you're eating, maybe they're not doing it to the extent that you were as far as drive through for the fourth meal and, and having <laughs> as many as much calories. You would go out with friends and they were probably eating food similar to what you were eating what would you say your experience was with your friends and well your i mean would you members? would you believe that they tried to organize an intervention oh, for they me did. that okay. just blew up gloriously in their face um because one of the friends who was getting roped into this actually tipped me off and so i called up the ringleader and i just read him the riot act and this was someone who had been my best friend for a while um you know he really gave me my big break in radio And, um, I just, I I love this guy to death, but I felt like he was betraying me, you know, like a total Judas thing. And I, I could not understand for the life of me why he felt the need to do this. Like I, I know that I have a problem, you know, it's not lost on me that I'm a lot bigger than you guys, but who are you to tell me that I have a problem, man? Like, that's not cool. You know, like, forget you. I don't need you in my life. 
only, you know, I'm saying that very calmly now, but the phone conversation that day was anything but pleasant. Um, and it was very, 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 I got looking back at it, like I'm kind of embarrassed by it. Yeah. Um, but, but I understand why I had such a violent reaction toward it because they were telling me essentially I couldn't have my drugs anymore. Um, and I just was not ready to accept that whatsoever. And this is so important that you're sharing this. I'm sure you told this story to other people, but it's still, you're speaking from the heart. Even people that say that they're whole food plant-based and they're on this lifestyle, a lot of them really aren't. They label themselves as being, but yet they're still struggling with their weight. Dr. Joel Furman, he's the one that, that I found out about this lifestyle from. He had this study, a women's health study that he had, and I participated and you just, you report your weight and your measurement and what your food consumption is. And after having the study for about two years, he concluded that the average, it was for women, so the average woman that was participating in the study who said that she was on this lifestyle weighed about 150 pounds. That was something that he learned from the study that even people who identify as being in this lifestyle aren't always 100% and being as successful as they can. And we're, I mean, we're all human. And when we have these temptations, we're sitting and watching television, we have these commercials anywhere you drive in almost anywhere, at least in the US, unless you're very rural, there's so many drive throughs It's just, it, we're just being bombarded with this and how we can just think that all we need is some willpower to stay away from it. It's not going to happen that way. So how did it happen for you when you had all these things running against you? Was it a culmination of things or was it one thing? What happened? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, there, there was not one thing that spurred on this drastic change. It, it was, just a, a combination of things. You know, I dated a girl for a year and a half. She did not have a weight problem, um, but she begged me every single day to not tell our friends, not tell our, our families that we were together. And so that was just like a kick in the gut, but I thought that that was as good as it could get. Mm. Um, and so I just sucked it up and I, uh, and I went with it. You know, I thought that that's what it was going to take to be with somebody who did not share a weight problem like I did. Um, and that absolutely sucked. Um, and then um, not being able to fit uh, on a flight, um, you know, having to get that seatbelt extender when you feel like everybody on there is just praying as you walk down the aisle that you're not sitting next to them. And you were dreading that day because you hadn't flown in years and you knew how small these airline seats were. And you were just hoping and praying that somehow you could sit down in that seat and magically the belt would buckle, but it wouldn't. And so you have to get up and walk toward the front of the flight, everybody looking at you again, and then walking back toward your seat, this time with a seatbelt extender in your hand so that you can take off. That was not fun either. Um, and then kind of the realization, like, look, I'm not going to live to 30. I wanted to live to 30. I felt like I still needed some things to do. Um, and there was a lot that I, I still wanted to accomplish. So um, I wound up, you know, talking to my friends, my father, uh, some other family members uh, who had had uh, weight loss surgery. And so I, I knew nothing about a plant-based diet. I knew especially nothing about a whole food plant-based one. Um, but I thought like, look, here's what's going to happen is I'm going to go and I'm going to have this procedure and it is going to buy me time because also everybody who I knew who had had this procedure had also put all of their weight back on or nearly all of it. Um, nobody was able to sustain their weight loss. 
but I thought like, look, this may get me to 40. So this is what I'm going to do. And that, that is what I wound up doing. And, um, the thing that I was not expecting with that procedure, and, and I will tell you whether you have weight loss surgery, uh, or you go on another diet, here is the key. This is where people get so slipped up. And I'm telling you as, as seriously as I'm drawing breath right now, the difference is you get this window where, you know, with the weight loss surgery, you get like three, maybe six months where you can't tolerate that kind of food. And you, you are forced to go through that just ungodly detox that I was not able to make it through without this procedure. Mm. But you know, whether you have this weight loss surgery or you go on a diet and you're able to keep those demons at bay for a certain amount of time where we get slipped up is oftentimes we set these little goals for ourselves. Say, okay, well, when I lose 50 pounds, I'm going to have that slice of cake or I'm going to have that hamburger, whatever. The problem is what the person doesn't realize is that because you had an addiction, you are just really tempting fate there. You would not celebrate a year of sobriety by toasting yourself with a beer. You would not celebrate being an ex-smoker for a year by buying a pack of cigarettes. And yet, this is how we view food. We still are not making that connection. So then, when you do go down that road, oftentimes, it's not like a slow, slow decline. Like it, your health, man, I mean, it just boom, it plummets again as your weight begins to boom, shoot back up because you can't control it because you have had this addiction. You are addicted to food and you don't realize it. So I don't care how you lose weight. I honestly do not care how you lose weight. If you are going to keep it off, you cannot introduce those types of foods back into your system less you are opening up Pandora's box, my friend. You're so right. It's just like any other addiction. I think people just think they have that voice, <laughs> they, the addictive voice inside of their head saying, ah, oh, we can just have one of these and it won't hurt. And you've been, you've been so good. And we're so used to rewarding ourselves with food or making our mood better with food, at least temporarily, that that's what we're looking for. I mean, there are people that go in, in a place where they can just have a retreat and they're not exposed to any of these foods, but you are basically, you were locked up in your, in your body because of the surgery. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but like, here's the thing. And, and yeah, I would have needed to have gone to an inpatient treatment facility to lose weight and break food addiction. There's no question about it. It was that severe. Um, I did not know such a place even existed. Otherwise I probably would have gone that route. I don't regret my decision whatsoever, yeah. but you know, I, I would be very curious to see if I would have been able to do this uh, without surgical intervention. I suspect that I would, um, but that's neither here nor there. But here's here's where people still get slipped up is like even people who really specialize in nutrition from a medical standpoint, they are not making this connection either. So we have these support groups where we would go and we would, you know, talk about, well, what worked for you this week? What didn't, what are you having trouble with? Well, maybe somebody can give you some guidance here to make it a little bit easier. And other people in the group are having the same problem. So everybody learns, everybody does a little bit better, right? You know that. But when you have people in there who are like bringing in Coca-Cola, like a bag, I will never forget this. A woman brought in a bag of Swedish fish, the candy, mm -hmm. like 
just a few weeks after surgery, she's like, can I eat these? The nutritionist was like, yeah, if you can tolerate them. And oh, like, and she oh. starts eating those like right there. And then like, I was like, eh, that, that doesn't really seem right to me. Yeah. Right. So I'm still not really up on nutrition. I'm, I'm eating a lot of meat. I'm eating a lot. Of, well, not a lot because my stomach was pretty small at that point. But I'm eating, you know, the, the menu that was prescribed to me at that point, which was, you know, cheese, dairy. Um, pureed meats. It was it was pretty gross, but you do what you got to do to heal. But anyway, here's here's what really stunned me was when I had lost probably close to 230 pounds at this point, and the doctor was pretty satisfied. The surgeon was pretty satisfied with where I was with my weight. Told me I didn't need to lose anything else. Said, now it's time for you to eat a hamburger. And sitting across from him, this is still years before I knew anything about a plant based diet. I just kind of looked at him and my jaw dropped. I was like, dude, you are missing the entire point here. You have just put crack back into the palm of a crack addict. Like, what are you talking about? And he genuinely did not realize what he was doing. And it, it was just so disheartening. So, I mean, it's it's really kind of an uphill battle that we're fighting. But the good news is, that I truly believe that it's also a battle that we can win because I'm not Superman and anybody else who has lost weight and kept it off also is not Superman or Superwoman. They don't have superpowers. All they've done is figure this out. Right. So people would say, well, gee, Chuck, I mean, you had the surgery, right? You had the success with all the weight loss. So, well, we, we have to unpack how you discovered the lifestyle, but what made you decide to do it? I mean, if you're having probably the best success that you had had, yeah. from all the other things you tried. So why not just go with it? Well, so here's the thing, right? You remember how I said I thought that this was going to buy me time to get to 40? Um, I was still kind of in that mindset because everyone I knew who had had the procedure had regained the weight. And then if you go and you look at the studies on how successful these procedures are, um, they're not as successful as you think. Everybody thinks that it's a magical formula. Some people have come at me with like two barrels blazing talking about, oh, you cheated to lose weight. It's like, pump your brakes here, buddy. Like, let's look at this. And so there is no um, really universally accepted criteria for what makes a successful surgery. I've seen studies where if somebody like me say that they lost 280 pounds, well, if they uh, kept just 10 of those pounds off over the course of 10 years, that would be considered a successful surgery. So yeah. then if I were to have had this procedure in 2009 and I weighed 420 pounds, if I weighed 410 pounds in 2019, then they would classify that as a successful procedure. Yeah. The fact of the matter is very, I mean, it's such a minuscule figure, the amount of people who are able to successfully maintain um, all of that weight loss. I mean, it is microscopic and it's very, very similar to any other diet out there. So that's what I say to them uh, about that. Now, what was your original question? So you, <laughs> well, I hope everybody's typing things in the comments to tell us the, the pearls that you're getting. Cause wow, there's a lot of pearls. I guess what we're saying is that people think that you had this weight loss surgery. So why even look for something more to change your way of eating and how did you, well, we'll have to talk about how you found out about it, but then what made you decide that you needed to do this when, I mean, you still had success with, oh, yeah. with the weight loss, right? So, surgery. Yeah. So a lot of cool stuff started to happen 
after I had the procedure, right? So my confidence started to go sky high and I was able to do things that I had only dreamed about. All of those things that I wanted to do um, before my 30th birthday, but didn't know if I was going to make it, I was, I was able to do. I'm not talking about going skydiving. I'm talking major career changes. Like I'm talking about going from being this pseudo, you know, wannabe shock jock on morning radio to starting my own sports media company, covering the NFL for a living and getting into the locker rooms and, you know, doing radio shows with players and, and making my name, breaking small stories here and there, um, covering the Washington football team. So that was, that was really cool for me. And then, you know, being the opportunity to, or having the opportunity to date people who did not keep me hidden whatsoever mm -hmm. was really cool. And then, you know, signing with CBS and becoming a news reporter there and seeing some of the most incredible things um, that, uh, you know, anyone could ever see um, it was really a privilege. And it was just like, man. You know, I, I don't just want to hit 40 at this point. Like I want to live that long and happy and healthy life. But at some point, like I'm not going to like I'm going to slip and it's going to be over because that was still all I knew of this procedure. Like it was just a matter of time and I was just a ticking time bomb until one day, just by coincidence, there I am working for CBS. And my assignment that day was to interview, believe it or not, a professional wrestler, WWE guy by the name of Austin Aries. He had just written a book about his plant-powered journey to the top of the wrestling world. And um, he's like, Chuck, we've spoken before. I know that you're kind of a, a health guy. So, yeah, look at that. Wow, you have that at the ready? I'm impressed with y'all right now. How about that? Uh, okay. What a picture, huh? Dude, I'm telling you. Muscles and, and vegetables and fruits all in one shot. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, right. Look at that guy, right? So he's got tons of muscles, and, and here he is at the top of his game. I mean, very, very, very few people um, reached the level that he did, and, and he was able to do that eating an exclusively plant-based diet. So he's like – you should really give this a try. And I'm like, Hmm, how, how long have you been plant-based now? And he was like, well over 10 years. I think he was probably like close to 20 years at that point. I'm like, Hmm, that's a lot of time. That's going to get me well past 40. And he's like, brother, I'm never going back. I was like, so let me try it. So that night, uh, I decided to make the change and and went with it and have been loving it ever since. Do not regret the decision for one point. As a matter of fact, I lost another 15 pounds of extra fat that I had uh, and didn't even realize that I had um, after making the switch. And so, um, you know, my cholesterol now is just beautiful. My blood pressure, beautiful. Um, you know, none of the problems that I had in my younger years, uh, do I have now? Like, I, I can't even tell you the last time I was in the doctor's office really. Um, and so like, that's why I am ultra, ultra, ultra confident with this diet. And by the way, being a reporter, you know, I'm very much show me the facts. I am going to question you. I am a big skeptic about everything. The first time that I hear it until I see the facts. And the facts were that this could be extremely beneficial long-term to my health and everything that I've seen, everything that I've read, all of the doctors whom I've spoken with, others who have had similar stories to mine, uh, all say the same thing. It's like, yeah, man, this is the way to go. This is the real deal. Wow. So did you notice anything with your brain chemistry? I mean, because you lost weight, but then you were ch you know, changing things that you were eating. 
Yeah. Um, so I was still a dairy junkie. Um, I was drinking close to a gallon of milk a day at that point. I wasn't eating a lot of cheese cause I, I wanted to keep it kind of low fat, but, um, you know, I, w- I was very much hooked on dairy and come to find out later, there's a reason for that. Um, you know, casomorphines, but that's an episode for another day. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, kind of recognizing that and having been through detox before this time I was able to, uh, battle through that. And, uh, also, uh, almond milk was very much my friend, uh, at that point, um, unsweetened almond milk, um, just tasted the same to me as organic skim milk. So, um, it was, you know, game on. So that really helped with my transition there. Um, and then my gut microbiome began to change. My taste buds began to change. And so like within two weeks, I kind of felt like I had this massive health reset for a second time. Um, and like I said, I've been all in since that day and I can never think uh, about going back. Well, I know that you have a little love story to tell and everybody likes a love story as far as, <laughs> see, I look at the smile. We know it's a love story. So will you share a love story with, about your wife? All right. Uh, oh boy, that was, that was a hard left turn there. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, we um, have to kind of yeah, give cool. some, some smiles too. It's, it's cool. Um, so there, uh, here in the Washington DC area, um, there was this woman who was on the news and I've been watching her for years and I always thought she was awfully cute. Like there was just something about this woman who just captivated me. And I, I was jealous of my friend, my friend who had tried to organize the intervention years ago. He, uh, had a, fr- <laughs> he used to hang out with her and her friend. Um, and I was always jealous. I was like, man, you get to hang out with Jules. And, and he was like, yeah, you know, but I, I would never have mustered up the confidence to talk to her being overweight. And, you know, what would she want to do with some schlub like me? Here she is on TV. The years go by, I wind up losing the weight. Um, and I'm working for CBS at this point. And lo and behold, who is uh, also working for CBS uh, news radio at that point, uh, but Julie Wright. And so I just, uh, I will never forget. Uh, I'm in the studio one day and, and she uh, was actually working out of her house. They set up a little studio for her in her house. And I just hit uh, the talk back line down the line. Um, and I was like, hey, I'm Chuck. I'm a fan of yours. And we just started talking. I asked her out on a date and two years later, we got married. So I I met and I married the woman of my dreams because I just had all of this confidence in the world. What did I have to lose? I don't know. But I mean, I just, I think it's the coolest thing ever that, you know, sometimes you just kind of know when you're going to have a special connection with the person because there's that something about them and you, you can't even put your finger on it, but there's just that something about them that you want to be close to them. And, uh, that was certainly the case with Jules. And, uh, and so, yeah, we've been married for gosh, five years now, six years. Uh, I'm a typical man. I can't remember how long, but it's been a while. Um, I can tell you that our first date anniversary is on Wednesday though. So, um, just just the coolest thing ever yeah it just seems that when you adopt a healthy lifestyle things get better and not just where you're at as far as your weight and maybe your health but then it makes you want to make improvements in other areas of your life as well and gives you a a better feeling about yourself so that you can make those changes (laughs) 
No so question. Yeah. No question. No yeah. question. And and look, you know, I, I want to say something. You said that you wanted me to talk from the guy's perspective. So let me let me tell you this. It was an ultra macho male who drove me to this lifestyle. It was an ultra macho male who gave me the nickname, the weight loss champion. The entire Washington football team locker room was just blown away by my story and wanted to talk about it. What are you eating now? What aren't you eating now? You know, how did you get there? You know, they were just picking my brain. Like they were genuinely curious. So when you, you think you're talking about making major lifestyle changes and, you know, finding love and this and that it's soft, like, eh, maybe you want to rethink that because it was football. It was pro wrestling. It was guys who are six, six and 350 pounds of pure muscle who got me here today. So rethink that the next time that you think I could never go plant-based being vegan is for weenies. I'm a macho man. Well, brother, I'm about as macho as it gets. I will watch more football and more sports than anybody on the entire planet. And I still eat a plant-based diet. That's great. I'm glad you gave that talk to our fellas. <laughs> so a lot of women out there that are trying to give that talk because we care so much, but we really needed that male perspective. Now, how many years has it been since you adopted the lifestyle and have had that success? Mm. Boy, uh, five, six. I mean, I'm not good with numbers, right, Amy. Right. Well, you meaning know. that it hasn't been six months and then no, now you're going to no. go back again because that's typically what happens with almost any kind of weight loss, whether it's changing what you're eating or if it's not a plant-based lifestyle, that's usually what happens is people just kind of go back. And that's good though, because to you, this is your new life, right? You're not counting anymore. No. You're looking forward. You're not looking back. And you're, li you're living in the moment and you're living for what the great things are to come instead of counting on how many plant-based <laughs> anniversary or whatever, because this is just your life. It's yeah. not something that you just tried and you're marking off the days of the calendar to say, okay, now I'm done. I can go back to what I did. Well so, said. Well yeah. said. Uh, you, you are absolutely right. Time is almost irrelevant to me now. Um, I'm not thinking about, boy, I wish I make it to 50. Like, I'm pretty confident that barring something catastrophic, I'm going to hit 50, 60. Like, I want to be a centenarian. That is my goal now, is can I hit 100? Can I have this ultimate turnaround? And then get one of these feature stories on the news about blowing out 100 birthday candles and inspiring people. Like, I want to be that beacon of light for people who feel like they could never, ever, ever find themselves in this position. And I'm telling you, man, you absolutely can. So let I, I just want to inspire people and I just want to make it to 100. So knock on wood, I will get that. Well, that's great. Now, we talked about this lifestyle and people are curious. So Jesse T, what are your favorite plant-based meals? Mmm, Jesse T. Okay, so my favorite plant-based meals uh, are overnight oats, and you can get fancy with it, or you can keep it as simple as possible. And I know, like, for whatever reason, you ask anybody who's whole food plant-based, oatmeal just seems to be on that list more often than not. I don't know what it is about oatmeal, but it, it's just one of those magical foods. Um, so I really, really, really like oatmeal. Um, but it did take me a while to get used to eating it cold. I was so used to having uh, hot oatmeal, um, but then you know, overnight oats straight from the fridge, man, that's, that's what's up. That is what's up. Um, but then really my ultimate, my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do is just like look in the fridge and what's in there. What roasted vegetables do I have tonight? 
And I will just put all of that stuff uh, either on a plate with some grains or a sweet potato or something like that um, and and just keep it simple. Sometimes I'll pile it high and even put a little bit of, of like marinara sauce on top of that, no oil in that um, and, and eat it like that. It sounds weird, but just pile stuff on. But my my one seed above all one seeds is the salad thing. So I will take a bunch of uh, spinach. I mean, just boom, throw it in a big bowl. And then I will take, you know, some, some of uh, your crispier greens, you know, so like a little bit of romaine lettuce, I'll throw that in there as well. Maybe a little bit of kale. I don't know which way the wind's blowing that night, but then I will add some quinoa to that. I will add some roasted Brussels sprouts to that. I will add some, uh, uh, roasted red pepper to that. Then on top of that, I'm going to add uh, some sweet potato. I'm going to add some banana peppers. I'm going to add a little bit more, maybe maybe some wild rice. I don't know. Just carb it up, man. Don't be afraid of your carbs. Eat your good, healthy carbs, as many as you want. And then I'm going to throw all of that together in a bowl. And then I'm going to add just a splash a splash of goddess dressing, and then I'm just going to shake it up. And I'm going to let those sweet potatoes, because they've been roasted so magnificently that they just kind of melt. And I'm going to let that do the coating. The majority of the salad dressing is coming from the sweet potato, so you don't even have to worry about a bunch of fat from the salad dressing. And then you have that with a little bit of pita and hummus, and you sit back and you are in seventh heaven. It is so good. So good. You got me hungry now just talking about it. <laughs> I love how you passionately describe what you eat now. Just like you were describing the drive through in a way, you probably things lit up when you were doing that, but this is a, in a good way. Because yeah. you can eat all this. You're eating as much as you want till comfortably full. You're not feeling bad about it. Then afterwards, you don't really have that. It's a different feeling, right? That you're getting. Oh, completely, or not getting. completely feel a different feeling. I mean, I, I was speaking with somebody recently. I, f- I forget who the doctor was on the show, but they're like, look, you're not supposed to feel drained after you eat. Food is supposed to give you energy. It's supposed to fuel you. And that's exactly what it does now. Like I, I used to have you know, that Thanksgiving food coma every single day, twice a day. And now I don't have that at all. Like I I eat and then, you know, I can go out and do whatever I want. Like I bounce up from the table, like, okay, let's go have more of the day. Um, And so like, it's, it's just completely different, but my love of food certainly um, has not changed. It's evolved to a much healthier Uh, relationship now. Um, But that same love, that same excitement, um, looking forward to being able to sit down and eat something that is still there um, to this day. It's just a matter of managing it a little bit differently and, and realizing what you should and shouldn't eat and and making sure that you focus on the healthy stuff. That's so wonderful. And I wanted you to talk about that too, because everybody can see in the background that you do this podcast with Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This is, this is the pride of my life. So I left news um, because I got tired of talking about death and destruction and I, I wanted to do something, you know, more positive with my life. And, and so I pitched the idea of doing a podcast, um, to the physicians committee and we had a series of meetings and then within a few months we were off and running. And so now I get the opportunity to talk to like literally any and everybody, um, who is in the health industry. And it's, it's such a privilege to have such a large platform. I mean, like we, we just hit 6 million downloads and we were number one for nutrition in 79 different countries. 
Um, and it just, it blows my mind. And it's so heartwarming to know that there is such an appetite for health out there when you see all of these, you know, disease trends going in the wrong direction, you see the obesity trend continuing to rise. But then on my end, I'm also seeing these, these healthier trends, you know, more and more people are finding these shows and gravitating toward a plant-based diet. And this show genuinely not only gives me hope for my healthy future, but for everyone else's as well. We also have another question that came in, and I think this is a really good question to wrap things up with because I wanted you to say something to everybody, but maybe just answering this question. For someone who has an extreme food addiction, how do you recommend starting the whole food plant-based lifestyle? That is a really good one. Um, I There's a big part of me who believes in just doing it and not dipping your toes and, and gradually working your way toward there. There's a huge part of me that feels like if you just do it and accept the fact that it is going to be hell and torture for a number of weeks, a month, that that's the best way to do it. Because if you go gradually, and this is just my hypothesis, I'm sure this works for some people, but it is my hypothesis that if you go gradually, you will entertain more and more excuses as to, well, I was going to start tomorrow, but why don't I push that back till next Monday, right? And and so it just, it's easier to hold on to those old habits. And so you just got to cannonball into the deep end and go for it. Just know this is this is one of the things that I tell people who I work with um, outside of the show. I tell them it's going to suck. I don't sugarcoat it. And matter of fact, I'm more blunt than that in a lot of cases. But if you accept the fact that it is going to suck and you just recognize that you can get past that, somehow it makes that unpleasantness a little bit more palatable. I'm not saying that you're going to be excited to be having these cravings that are driving you up the wall. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is just accepting the fact that they're there as opposed to fighting them makes it so much easier to tolerate. And because it's a little bit easier to tolerate, then you can get past that one craving. And once you get past that one craving, you can tell yourself that you already have what it takes to beat this because you do. If you beat it once, you can beat it a million times. And there are still days where I have these cravings out of nowhere, watching a ball game, Taco Bell will come on and I'll still think, boy, that grilled stuff burrito looks fantastic. And then I'm just like, no, it doesn't, you know, and it's, it's weird the way that the brain to this day is still wired to crave that stuff from time to time, but you can manage the cravings. You don't have to give into it and you're going to be okay. Oh, that is wonderful. I think that's something that we should make a snippet of what you just said so that people can just keep playing it over and over again because we need that voice and we need need to know that it's possible. And like you said, you're not any kind of superhero. You're just a person just like everybody else and, and everybody else can do this, but they have to really want to, right? And no matter how well-meaning the loved ones are, that's not what's going to make that change. Yeah, for this or for anything else, if, if the person is not ready to make a change, then there's nothing that you or anyone else can say. Uh, there, there literally isn't. And so it can be painful for people to hit rock bottom or to watch your loved ones hit rock bottom. But until they do, you just got to remind them that you love them and, and hold on. That's very, very well said with a, a lot of experience. And I really appreciate that. 
I, I really appreciate you coming on the show with us and but just telling your story. And even if you've told it before, it still has to bring up some pain, but you're willing to share that so that maybe you can help other people who are in pain now. I hope that people out there that are watching or listening, if maybe that you can use this moment that you've been having, experiencing by hearing what Chuck had to say as your launch pad to say, I'm ready and try to, to do what he does. There's so much support with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. They have a 21-day kickstart. It's free. And with Chuck doing these podcasts with PCRM, there's so many guests that he has on. I have some guests on mine as well, but he, he really interviews so many people. And so if you just play broadcasts like this, play the PCRM podcast, just every single day, play them and listen to them and watch them and read the books and watch the movies and just crowd out the commercials and the drive-through signs. And hopefully that will inspire you. And if you guys, if you want to type in the comments, something that you can take away from this so that other people who are looking can read and see what you liked about it and your, maybe the pearls that you took away. But I really want to thank you, Chuck. Thank you so much for joining us. You are so busy with what you're doing with PCRM and doing such good work. And you are still willing to take some time out to be on the broadcast today. And I do so appreciate it. And please, everybody, stay tuned for a special announcement. I wanted to thank my, I, there is a superhero in our midst, and that's Rebecca from PKA. Uh, I wanted to thank Jess Tass from Jess Tass Voice. She did the countdown and she did the promos. And Jess Tass Voice, tell us who's coming up next. Hate to exercise, results coming too slowly, injuries and pain zapping your motivation. Learn how to get and stay motivated with exercise expert Elizabeth Fontaine, MD, Wednesday, December 15th, 3 p.m. Eastern noon pacific on be green with amy live well most of all i want to thank all of you that are watching and listening because that's why chuck came because he knew you would be here and he's really hoping and i'm hoping that today's broadcast is going to launch you into either adopting this lifestyle or tightening the bolts and going in maybe a hundred percent especially at this time during the holidays we really hope that that helps you out a lot and i wanted to also ask you guys because I'm going to be doing this with Chuck at the end, doing my tagline. So if you guys want to type it in the comments and do it with us, and that my tagline is be strong, be well, and be green. So are you ready, Chuck? Yeah, why not? Oh, uh, can I just say to Jesse T, who is watching us uh, on YouTube, Jesse, uh, if you have other questions about food addiction, um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, just send me a DM oh. on, on Twitter or on Instagram, and I'll get right back to you. That is, see, he, isn't he so kind? And I think that we have actually. Is this your Instagram here? That's it. That's it. Chuck right. Carroll, WLC. Like as in weight loss champion, right? That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you, Chuck. Okay. Well, until I see all of you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. green. <laughs> <laughs> now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa.